Welcome to the latest HR Locker podcast. On today's show, we have David Bell. David is the CEO of the HR department, a company providing professional personal HR services to businesses across Ireland. We talk to David about the tough subject of layoffs and redundancies. We ask him, what are the key areas to consider when making these difficult decisions and how can organisations maintain morale in such times? He also talks to us about how to minimise your organisation's exposure to COVID-related claims and why you should future-proof your policies and procedures to meet the changing way we work. Today on the podcast, we have David Bell from the HR department. Um, So we're delighted to have you here with us, David. And if you could introduce yourself to our listeners. Hello, Crystal. Yes, it's David Bell. I'm the Managing Director of the HR Department and um, we provide HR support and consultancy for companies that don't really require a full-time HR person. Perfect. Thanks, David. So again, we're delighted to have you here with us. Um, and today we're kind of, we'll be talking about the current situation in terms of companies opening up, um, uh, some offices opening, some offices closing, and and really, I suppose, what is currently happening in the, the current workplace environment and um, any kind of kind of tips and tricks and any um, issues that, that companies may be experiencing during this time. So, David, a lot of businesses are unfortunately considering layoffs or redundancies, um, really, I suppose, because cost cutting is something that that's an issue for people at the moment. Um, so for those companies who find themselves, unfortunately, with no other options, what are the key considerations and how can they minimize disruption as well as maintaining morale in these kind of negative times? Yeah, well, obviously, you know, the, 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 you can see it from from the news coverage, apart from sort of the obvious sectors in the, uh, the hospitality, which have been so badly hit. There are obviously a lot of other companies where, um, you know, businesses has been uh, affected. So companies are looking at it. I suppose to, to maybe take a step back, one of the things that we would always say um, is that, you know, communication you don't want to be continuously delivering doom and gloom but I do think you know uh, it, it, it sometimes companies wait for way too long before they start making these decisions before they there's any alternative if you know what I mean so what they really should look at um, as a precursor to any redundancies if they can unless there is a particular situation where say an office closed or a bit you know a business closes in or a part of the business closes because of something that happens, but by and large, it, it, it may be a, a, a sort of a situation where you can try and look at alternatives. And we would always say, um, both to protect yourself, perhaps against um, uh, maybe a case taken by someone that you didn't follow proper procedure, but more important, I think, from the staff's perspective, uh, that you know people are told that there are, there is a possibility that there might be some job losses, if if it even if it seems that it's very obvious. I think sometimes staff really think it, don't think that might happen, even if it's the worst case. Mm. And maybe look at, you know, some alternatives. Um, now I won't, you know, get into collective. There are certain situations where you have to do that under the collective redundancies. That's based on the number of potential job losses versus the number of of employees that you have. But if we take it that even if you don't have to do it by law, I think it's still a good 
a good discipline to get into that, you know, you, you start with some form of consultation, either with the staff in general or with those areas of the business where you think there may be redundancies down the road. Even if a company is, is you know, they're, they're unsure, they're hoping that they're not going to have to go down that route. Um, do you think at that stage, people, the company should be making um, employees aware or do you think they should kind of wait until they know? Well, I think if it's financially driven, I suppose they should look at alternatives. So, you know, the, I suppose the obvious ones would be reducing working time or maybe looking for pay reductions, um, job sharing. Is there, is there any roles? In other words, that, you know, can be could two people could do a, a job that that was you know, one job that might have been two in the past. There's some more, dare I say it, adventurous and 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 mm. more far-reaching people taking career breaks. Um, uh, you know, people people taking some some leave, perhaps that if you know if there were employees who were thinking about taking some parental leave. Yeah. That that they not to be thrown at the door, but that they take it now whilst there isn't a lot of work. If they were thinking of doing it. Employers that say, no, I don't want to be telling everyone bad news all the time. But, you know, if you wait too long and all you're telling them is this is going to happen, we're going to have to make redundancies, that can be an awful shock to people. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think I think you're right that, um, you know, getting called in on, you know, on the date to be told there's going to be mass redundancies in comparison to having gone through a couple of weeks or months of trying everything to to save jobs, it leaves the workplace a little bit different, you know, to those people who are being left behind, uh, so who, who are remaining in the workplace. Um, so it's, I suppose, I wonder, you know, from two fronts, you need to be obviously cognizant of your your business, making sure that you're gonna you're gonna get through this, but also is the morale of employees who are actually remaining with you. Um, they don't need to be in this negative space we would always suggest and advise that you consult with the staff because they might have ideas that haven't been thought about. They might be prepared to take certain steps that uh, the employer might think they would never think of. So I think there is that balance. And then, as you say, when you do go down the road, at least with a consultation type approach, you are preparing the ground and the staff that are, are potentially being kept will see that at least you've been fair, you've tried to follow a, a, a reasonable process, you, you haven't just made a decision or been seen to just make a snap decision and yeah. tell people that's it. Um, because, you know, we know from the workplaces, particularly again, the modern workplace, a lot of people are very close friends now nowadays. It's a much more social place than perhaps it was in the past. People are tend to know each other better and with, with all sorts of, social media connections, et cetera, there's, you know, there's generally a, there's a, a strong probability that people are going to be badly affected by people leaving. Uh, as you say, they're also going to have to look and, you know, are they going to think, is this just phase one? Am I just not affected this time? What kind of reassurance can you give the people who are being left? Uh, as um, Then you have even the practical um, side of things where, you know, if you have told someone that their job is at risk, or you've made the decision that they're going to be made redundant, you know, it is very difficult for the people, for both them who have been told the news, but also the people who have been left. So, you know, you have to try and think about 
do they continue to work? And if they're going to continue to stay in the workplace, how involved are they going to be? So if you're if you're commencing a new project that they normally would be part of, um, do you say, look, you know, we don't really need you this time. How do you communicate that to them? How do you communicate that to the others so that it's not seen as you're just discarding them? Um, you know, do you encourage them to work their notice? Do you have a plan about working their notice out? Or do you maybe, you know, look at them, them not staying as long as their notice period is required, but pay them in lieu, which, again, without looking like you're running the manager of the place, if you know what I mean. So that is that is a huge challenge for people, particularly where, as I say, one, the current, the staff are remaining think, you know, is this just phase one of three? Am I next? Uh, and also the emotional impact of people leaving can be very, very difficult. And and there's a naturally, if if you get it wrong or you're seen to maybe not be as considerate as you should be or, or you know, the employees themselves who are, who are being made redundant or whose jobs are a threat might react badly. And that's going to cause a problem in, in, a, in any company that. And you kind of uh, a lot of times just get that negative. Well, I'm not going to take up the slack because you know, <laughs> you've got rid of other people. So it's a, it's definitely, um, and I think it's an over, it's an overused word, but it's the most important one is how you communicate it out. And it's that constant communication between the guys who are going and the guys who are staying. And that, I mean, obviously as an employer, nobody wants to be in that situation, but it's how it's perceived by everybody, I think is, is the key. Um, so David, we we recently did a study with um, employers just in regards to, you know, what kind of, what things are they concerned about um, going forward in the next kind of six to 12 months? And obviously one of the big areas was redundancies and layoffs and part-time layoffs and things like that. Um, but the other area that um, I suppose I was quite, cons- I was, um, hadn't expected so many people to have so many concerns about was the rise in COVID-related claims and lawsuits. Um, so the companies were concerned that they would be liable if um, employees came back to work and they caught um, COVID-19 in the workforce. Um, what happens when, um, you know, we spoke about this earlier, David, if, what, what happens if um, somebody needs to leave work and they're isolating um, at home? What about the stress and anxiety in, in regards to coming back to work? Um, and there was just this huge concern um, from companies in regards to one, am I going to all of a sudden be sued my, by my employees because um, somebody caught COVID in the workplace? Or two, do I now have to pay everybody a sick leave because they're isolating at home? Um, you know, and who knows how many times for the next 12 months will people have to go and isolate? Um, uh, you know, so do you think this is a real threat, David, or and or how can businesses minimize their exposure um, to such claims if that's, if that's the way it's going to go going forward? Yeah, I mean, I suppose there's a couple of things. Yeah, there's a couple of things there. I mean, first, first and foremost, um, the, the, the employer has a responsibility for, for the health and safety of, of the employer. I think everyone's aware of that. When the, uh, I suppose, in the, in, in, in the, summertime when when the restrictions eased somewhat and uh, the government published the return to work protocol that would certainly be my first suggestion that employers familiarize themselves with that um it is going to be very difficult for people so um you know 
you're into the looking at layoffs, you're looking, you know, if someone can't work and you can't provide a safe workplace for them, that is going to be um, a challenge from both sides. Yeah, um, I definitely think that that's, that's one of the areas, just in my opinion, over the next couple of months that we're either going to see new legislation or guidelines or or something because if you have a long-term illness and you're working in like you said a retail environment and the the you know the shop where if they can't guarantee you a safe working environment then do you get to stay at home forever on the COVID payment or when when do, when do you when does when does it become acceptable that the the company I suppose lays you off or moves on which is going to be Unfortunately, not a nice situation to be in, but, um, you know, I, 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 is that the reality of the situation, I wonder? You know, I think you do need to start looking where possible to, to those areas um, in the same way, perhaps, as any injury or, or you know, short, short-term or long-term disability or illness that might affect someone being able to do their job. We'd always recommend you get some medical support for decisions and possibly some health and safety advice as well. So the other thing I was going to, and, and again, we spoke about this briefly, David, before before we started recording, was um, uh, I think, did I say it was about two weeks ago, we, uh, my my kids had to go for tests, so we we had to isolate for, um, for three days in the house. Now that's fine for me, I have no problem, I can work from home. Um, my husband goes to work, so um, he obviously had to take the days off work. So, I mean, in those situations, um, how important is it that obviously we have to follow our guidelines, our handbooks and everything like that. But because things are kind of changing, the guidelines are changing. Do we need to be updating our policies and procedures um, if those kind of um non-normal sick leave things come up or you know how how do companies prepare for those situations which are undoubtedly going to arise over the next couple of months if you're able to work from home well clearly in my view the employer should continue to pay in the normal way Mm -hmm. if you're not able to work then it is one of those gray areas so we're talking here about where you're not sick but a relative or a child of yours or for some reason you have to stay at home um, to either look after someone, but it's not you that actually have been asked to self-isolate. Uh, and if someone's not able to work from home, then it's going to be down to, you know, I suppose that to some extent a discretion between the employer and that employee as to whether that's annual leave or whether it's paid leave or whether it's unpaid leave. Um, and that's definitely going to be a, a, a challenge. What people are doing, I suppose, most employers are trying to be, uh, I say generous, certainly most employers that I would deal with are doing their best to try and reflect that this is through no fault of anyone's and where possible are paying. But uh, to be perfectly honest with you, I suppose that's very often where people are able to do some work or are their, are all of their job uh, as best they can. Uh, again, where someone is just not able to work in those situations. There are, unfortunately, you know, employers who will just not be able to pay because they'll either need to replace that person with someone else or pay other staff members overtime or pay them additional to cover that off. And uh, so that is uh, and it's always been an issue for people. But I think COVID has highlighted. So there's always been a question of if I need to stay at home and I can't work from home, are you going to pay me? Um. Uh, this has just, I think, been very much highlighted by 
by the current situation that we're in. And then, um, David, in regards to obviously some offices are looking to open up now, some, you know, are taking it in small groups and and whatever. Um, and obviously there's different health and safety with sanitizers and different entrances and things like that. Is that something that people should be looking at updating in their handbook or is it just update a policy that goes along with your handbook or you know is that at this stage of the game should people be completely um not redoing handbooks but changing their health and safety policies um in their handbook or just doing amendments and things like that too yeah i think probably what what could catch catch all of those things is a remote working policy so so some companies would have had remote working policies which were a bit more if an employee wanted to work from home for a period of time, they had to you know, go through certain steps. They would have to apply to work from home. They would have to you know, make sure that the, you know, they stay in communication. And, you know, to answer your question, I think what we're, what we're suggesting is people look at those. So where you've had a remote, remote working policy, look at that to see, does that need to be tightened up or revised? I think some of the areas people are getting concerned about is, you know, long term remote working. Mm -hmm. So if it's gone from a day a week or a couple of days a month to now, is it three or four or five days or six or seven days a month or eight days a month? You know, where does the, the, the responsibility now fall on the employer to make sure that they have the right equipment, that they're taking breaks, that they are um uh, recording their time, that they're not working longer hours than they should be. So these are the problems that people are, are suppose, are running into now. Uh, and then you're getting into the whole question of do they provide equipment? But obviously, a lot of companies don't have the financial wherewithal to do all that. But yeah. can, does that mean they can avoid it? So I think people would have to be very careful. Uh, both that's, a, I think, in terms of the physical well-being. And then I know, uh, again, one of the big areas that, that remote working is thrown up is the emotional and mental well-being of people. And like the children were suffering badly when they weren't in school, everyone saw that. Even if kids didn't like school, they missed it. <laughs> yeah, I said yeah. this to you before, David. I was in uh, work last week and the best part of my day was that I met somebody for a coffee and went for a walk. <laughs> yeah, so there is all that. And, it, it you know, I... I know there are probably employers who might be listening and saying, oh, you know, don't tell me I've got something else to worry about. Now I've got to worry about their well-being at home. But that's the reality. So I think, you know, there is going to be a balance required. And a lot, whilst a lot of staff uh, are enjoying the benefits of remote working and uh, perhaps, uh, you know, in the early part, maybe March and April, in the early part of COVID, they didn't really see the benefit because perhaps if they had, if they had kids or or both people were working from home, it didn't it wasn't ideal. But now with with maybe schools and creches open, it's a bit it's a bit more realistic what it's like. At the same time, people I think are going to want to have some connection. And you know, we have a number of issues uh, which again are being thrown up and no one's really thought of, you know, people starting in a job. So they're starting work and they're not getting to meet anyone. They're sitting at home. The first time they might see their colleagues who they have to cooperate with and collaborate with is on a call, a Teams call or a Zoom call. And they're looking at a camera and they're telling their dog to keep quiet. And they're, they're So it's, you know, there's no induction per se. They don't get a chance. And all of those things that we're used to, when you dig down into it, I think 
yeah, they're, they're talking about spanning that over years. They're not talking about tomorrow, you know. I think. No, and we're so social creatures as well. You know, we 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 do. I mean, like even for my, I think the dual working, hybrid working approach is going to be the way of the future. Personally, um, I'm I'm not sure 100% remote working suits everybody. It does suit some people, but no, you did I, you did um you did uh, mention which I also 100% believe is going to be one of the biggest challenges companies are going to see over the next 12 months is onboarding and offboarding. Uh, remote workers because it's it's totally different and it's a huge challenge it is yeah yeah, I mean when you look at the amount of effort and again I'm sure uh you know uh you guys in HR Locker would see it as well this uh induction and and onboarding and 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 it was down to a T and now it's all out the window so it is um uh, it is very challenging and as you say then on the other side of it uh, maybe have difficult conversations with people about performance that's all been lost for the time being. So, um, you know, there's no doubt, and I, I think that will have a knock-on effect on people. I think employers need to be very aware and do need to set up, you know, some even, you know, formal um, situations where they are checking in with everyone and making sure that everyone is has someone looking after them um, and not just presuming because someone's working from home that everything's fine. Yeah, I think the next 12 months is going to be um you know you're, we're going to see a lot of focus on the employee engagement side really just you know people are remote people are coming back people are different situations and and how do you still remain focused and engaged with the employees that your morale is high you know and i, and I think there's going to be a huge shift to that um companies who never did focus on employee engagement before that that they will kind of look at different things for that it probably is on some people's the least they're worried about, but these are the things that that you know in time they are going to have to start start looking at. As you say, how are they going to uh, give the staff opportunities where possible to to meet other staff members and um, and especially where it's not necessarily a work environment per se. Yeah, and I mean that's that's really you know I think it's important for a company's culture you know and and it's absolutely you can get that culture from a remote workforce I mean like I said we we've had remote workers um, you know for the last five years or so but it is it's important that that you're you're conscious of having to to work a little bit harder at at making that communication between employees. Um, and and facilitating it for for your employees, um, even exactly like I said, even if if it's once a quarter or for the holidays or something like that, that that you're you're doing something conscious to get people um, communicating outside of work. To some extent, it's fortunate in a way that everyone's in it together. So I mean, there are once once people start hearing or you know clients of yours or clients of mine, if if a couple of people try things at work, at least you can pass on that information to your clients to say, well, look, have you thought about this? Because at least there is a, <laughs> everyone's in the same boat. So so not every solution fits everyone, but at least there'll be some ideas coming out, hopefully in the next few months from, from the HR world and the, the personal management world that, that will allow people at least look at certain things, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think, again, I really can't stress this, is that the, you know, for for people who were sent home in March and were working from home, we knew each other. We all knew each other. It was easy enough to to pick up the phone or or do a Teams or a Zoom call with a colleague because we already had a relationship with them and we knew them. You know, so now companies have have hired new people 
it's it's a different relationship um and that that remote onboarding is um is something that companies need to understand how they're going to to bring that team together even virtually for the next for the next few months um and and how do, how do they do that effectively really yeah yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, David, it was, it was great to talk to you. Um, if people want to get in contact with you, David, what's the what's the best way for people to get in contact with you? Uh, well, the website, Crystal, is uh, thehordepartment.ie, and my email is dbell at thehordepartment.ie. So, thanks, million, David. We we'll have all David's contact details um, with the podcast, and um, so if anybody would like to get in, in contact with, with David, I'd, I'd highly recommend him. Um, and uh, so, take everybody, and we'll talk to you guys the next time. Thanks for listening. Check us out at hrlocker.com. The show was hosted by Crystal Wren and produced by Jenny Martin. Subscribe to catch the latest episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you'd like to get your podcasts. If you'd like to feature, get in touch by emailing us at marketing at hrlocker.com. You can also follow HR Locker on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.